This episode was sponsored on Patreon by VIP Story Glory Guard congregant Dakota V. The congregant wished to share the following. First of all, a huge thank you to all the clergy members at The Story Must Be Told. Deacon Adam, Liturgical Director Carl, Pastor Andrew, Sister Callista, Brother Reed. You guys are amazing. Thank you. And secondly, if you need any voice acting done, look me up on Twitter at Vansicle Voice, all right? (laughs) Okay, well, here's a riddle. Two boys, a chums, and a grandma. What do you get when you add them all up? An inspirational event like no other. Get ready for Story House Calls. Story House Calls. Story House Calls. Hello, congregants. Today, we have paid a house call to a devoted congregant. And thanks to the power of ham radio technology, we can share her words with the whole congregation from the comfort of her dog urine reeking trailer. Mariba, say hello. Oh, hello, congregation. Thank you for coming to my humble urine reeking trailer. Pastor Andrew and Brother Reed, you're both as tall, tall, tall as I imagined. (laughs) I crocheted you sweaters. (laughs) Mariba, you're a dang sweetheart. You even crocheted a banner. Heck, let's read it together. The story story must must be told. Now, Mariba, your grandson Dakota nominated you, and he tells us you have a certain favorite beverage, huh? Oh, I do. I only drink Crow Croa. Oh, yummy. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Crow Crow Crow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that doesn't surprise me at all, Mariba. I can see it in your parchment-dry skin and your yellow, fevered eyes. (laughs) If only every congregant could be so devoted to our brand of choice. Now, listeners at home can't see this, but our friend Mariba here is, well, (laughs) uh, there's no polite way to say this. Um, Mariba, why don't you have toes? Well... It's a sad story. My late husband was not a good man. He locked me out of the house one night without my shoes on, and, well, frostbite did the rest. Mirba, that breaks my heart. Your your husband was a big jerk. Pardon my French, he was a goober. But you know what the story says to scum like that? The story's gonna get ya. Ha ha. Oh, praise the story. Mariba, your husband cut your toes with neglect, but the story got him too. Woof, woof. Here to relate the tale, or <laughs> should I say, tale? <laughs> tale! Tale! <laughs> uh, it's just a goof. Is our mutual lovely grandson, Story Glory Guard Congregant Dakota V. Take it away, Dakota. A psalm from the book of... This is how the dogs changed. Trixie, she was handsy. Woofy started smoking packs. 
Sarge became conservative. Ollie never took out the trash. Brigby, he wore pants. Grady, she wore a watch. Pilgrim watched porn. Yankee nod on his crotch. Duke bet on horses. Mr. Downtown, he locked the doors. Saucy never listened. Chunky shit on the floor. Grandma saw each dog change, take on the traits of the man who they consumed entire. Yes, the late granddad. He passed late last winter, then passed through the pups, who did not wait for their next meal, but instead gobbled him up. Dogs who never called her, dogs who didn't read, dogs drunk on Sunday, dogs with no degree. Together in a man was too much to be kind, but split between a dozen dogs, the grandma did not mind. They took his spot in bed, swarmed his reclining chair. With all the dogs together, it was like the man was there. Except granddad didn't lick her face, or wag his eager tail, or eat what he was given, or stay out of jail. Though the trailer was a mess, and the carpet was a sog, her marriage was improved, thanks to a dozen dogs. Oh, my little Dakota, what a beautiful song. And that's not all Dakota helped us do. We have a special treat for you, Grandma Mariba. Oh, so special, true. What is it? What is it? Okay, okay, patience, my dear. We got a little thing called the story first. Oh my, how could I forget? <laughs> okay, now, settle in, Grandma, because we had a special guest hide in your bathroom until this very moment. Oh my! Here to spread the greasy story wealth is our fine visiting preacher. He's a member of our own network, you might say, where he reflects on his commercially available past with a false brother. <laughs> Why don't you step out of the bathtub, Danny Tamborelli? Thank you for inviting me into your trailer, Grandma. Truly, we are all one in story, toes or no toes. <clears throat> A reading from the Book of Story, titled, The Book of Keith. Chapter 1. A Sweet Boy Keith stood over the stove and watched the eggs bubble and pop. The clear bird slop slowly turned white. Sunlight reflected off the snow and blasted through the kitchen, right into his eyes. Keith could cook an egg by sound. Keith forgot to feed the dog last night. Gutters were a mess. The laundry wouldn't be too bad if he got ahead of it this morning. Make a haircut appointment. Sports Clips takes walk-ins. They were running low on eggs and peanut butter. He needed to figure out the smell in the garage. A small voice came from behind him and yanked Keith back to earth. Dad, it's smoking. Dad! Keith spoke without opening his eyes. Smoke means it's ready, bud. Luther. Seven years old, named after Vandross. Here and now was the first dance at their wedding, which Luther had technically attended. Alyssa was 20 weeks pregnant at the time. She died last Halloween. Not on Halloween, but decorations were up. Keith remembers skeleton window clings and inflatable monsters in the yards that butted up to the road he took to the cemetery. Keith plated the eggs. They aren't as good as hers were. Slightly overcooked, a twinge of resentment shot through him. 
The boy was dressed for school. White polo shirt tucked into navy shorts. Crisp white boots. His brown hair neatly parted. He did it himself. In her last few months, Alyssa insisted Luther attend Queen of Peace, the local Catholic elementary school. It was her alma mater. She hoped to make it to his first communion. My sweet boy in a little blue suit, she'd whisper affectionately from her hospital bed. She'd been raised Catholic, but that's as far as it went until she was in the trenches. Keith didn't like the idea of the archdiocese educating Luther, but he promised, and it was one decision he couldn't be blamed for if it didn't pan out. You have to sign my report card. Keith slid the plate in front of the boy. Their dog, Astronaut, stared at the boy and licked his lips. Keith poured him some dry food. Astronaut was a rescue. Fur-like straw, but a cute face. The definition of nothing special. Keith surveyed the kitchen. It's under the mail. What do you got? Hmm. Can probably get some pizza hut with these grades, yeah? I need to turn it back in today. It's the deadline. They said if I don't turn it in... I'll call them. They can wait one day. Get your boots on. They're already on, Dad. (laughs) Go warm up the truck. I'll be there in a second. Chapter 2. A Question. Keith managed a way station about ten miles from the city limits. It was steady and came with the government pension. He'd worked there since just before Luther was born. Every once in a while, he'd see a deer get hit by a car. Sometimes he felt like if he looked at the road long enough, he could make it happen. If he thought about the deer in the moment of impact, the look on its dumb face, its legs breaking, the noise of bumper on bone, tire screech mixed with a yell, Keith's hip buzzed. It was Luther's school. A woman spoke on the other end in a hushed tone. Keith, it's Meredith. Luther is having another one of his, um, spells. Ms. McCabe says he's not allowed back in class today. Is he okay? Um, yes and no. He's a little cold to the touch. This one feels different. His eyes were wild. It took longer to settle him. You need to come get him. This had happened about every other month since Alyssa died. His initial reaction was dread. He hated going to Queen of Peace... The walls were the color of uncooked hot dogs, and everyone looked as if they'd stepped out of an old photograph. While he waited outside the nurse's station, Keith looked at the old photos that covered the walls. He'd been at the school so often recently, he knew which ones had Alyssa in them. When he found a new one, his head jerked toward the floor, as if she'd caught him. When Luther had an episode, the two of them would always get lunch at the Trickies, an old diner on the way home, to talk. Do you think Mom is in heaven? (sighs) Questions like this were more and more frequent, and Keith always found himself at a loss. He hadn't been raised in any particular religion and didn't convert for their wedding, though he was never asked. He swallowed a bite of his burger before it was properly chewed. If there's a heaven, Mom's there. What if there's no heaven? Mom was sick, remember? So no matter where she is, I know she feels better now than she felt then. Heaven or not. But she swore. Swore what? I heard her say bad words. The F word when she burned her hand on my bowl. Remember? Ms. McCabe said swearing is the devil talking through you. (laughs) She did. It's not funny. 
nobody's perfect, and, and no one should expect perfection, bud. I've been having bad dreams. Like nightmares? Yeah. Can I get sick from nightmares? No. Well, I don't think so. On their way home from the diner, Keith looked into Universal Plaza. God damn it. Pizza was closed down. It was the same routine every night. Dishes, wipe down the surfaces, straighten the pillows on the couch, let astronaut out, check the stove one last time, sweep, let astronaut back in, lock the door, lights off, go upstairs, two books, tuck Luther in, downstairs, get a glass of water, check the stove one last time. He whispered, off, just to make sure. What are we reading? I don't feel like it tonight. What's wrong? Luther looked at the ceiling. Tears welled up in his eyes. Do you think Mom is in hell? I don't. She's still here, with us. We've talked about this. Where? Memory. You promise there's no devil? It's the only thing I know for sure, I promise. Then why do people say he's real? Sometimes no explanation is the scariest thing we can think of. He kissed the boy's forehead to let him know the conversation was over. Was his head cold? Keith licked his lips. The taste of fresh water dulled his tongue. Chapter 3. A Sickness The next morning, Keith stood holding a shovel in a bag. He looked across a backyard covered in dog waste. He started to count, but got dizzy and lost track. This yard no longer belonged to him. That's when he heard a scream from inside the house. Dad! He dropped the shovel and ran inside. Luther? Luther? He found his son curled up on the bed. Pajama pants, no shirt. My skin hurts. Keith rushed the boy to the bathroom to get a better look. Squinting in the light, he examined Luther top to bottom. The boy's torso was covered in red blotches, each one roughly the size of a fist. On his back, there was a clear handprint, gray like river mud. Keith placed his hand over it. If the handprint came to life, it could fold two knuckles over the top of Keith's boyish paws. Does it hurt? It feels cold. I'll call a school. Dad, what's happening? You're fine. Uh, let me take your temp, okay? Hop up. Keith lifted Luther onto the bathroom sink. Open. Ah. Uh... Keith looked at the handprint in the mirror. It was an island on the boy's back, raised, earthy texture. It looked ancient. Intentional. What does it say? 96 degrees. No fever. Get back into bed. Under the covers. This was the first time Keith was on his own with a sick boy. He dreaded this day, overwhelmed by the thought of it. He'd done nothing to prepare. He stayed back in the bathroom and frantically googled the symptoms. Nothing helpful. He thought about what Alyssa would do. He couldn't remember. He stood over Luther's bed and tucked him back in. I'm going to stay home today, okay? I'll be right downstairs. Luther was already asleep. Keith brushed the boy's bangs off his face. A clump of soft hair came off his head. Keith looked at it. Nineteen hairs. He saw a stray one on Luther's forehead and gently placed it into the clump. And even twenty. Chapter 4. A Dream Keith awoke to Luther standing on his chest. Luth, what are you doing? Luther looked down at his father and smirked. 
The smirk turned into a smile that never stopped, revealing hundreds of teeth. Some human, some animal. His mouth continued to open until his nose and eyes disappeared. The boy's jaw and chin were lost in a graveyard of white, yellow, and brown teeth. Keith was paralyzed. The sound of jowls and spit filled the room as the mouth gained more ground and consumed the boy's head. Keith gasped and woke himself up. He wiped the sweat from his face. A pile of Alyssa's clothes on the chair made him jump. Luther slept soundly next to him. Keith held his son's hand. The rash had gotten worse. The humanness of it had been traded in for scaling. It no longer felt like an uninvited guest, but the owner of the home. It was a dull, earth color, yet still shone in the sun. Had a little give to it. Keith pressed with his index finger like an ape. Dad, what are you doing? Keith, now actually awake, stood over the boy's bed. His still finger pressed on his cheek. Nothing. I'm not doing anything. Go back to sleep, bud. Chapter 5. Science Luther came downstairs. It looked like someone had thrown wet sand in his face. The scarring was now blotched all over his body. It hadn't spread in a consistent fashion. It just appeared. His neck had a waddle and his eyebrows, (laughs) well, those were long gone. And his fingernails were growing at an inhuman pace. The banister leading upstairs was covered in scrapes and scratches. Keith remembered he had to go to Home Depot. They had the sanders he needed. It would be smooth again. Luther pushed his eggs around until they got cold. Dad? The sound of his son's voice had become scratchy, like his brain couldn't find the frequency. Yeah, bud? Am I going to die? No, 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 no. Look at me. You're not going to die. This is a rash, and we're going to Dr. Kitchener today. She'll take care of us. Stick out your tongue. It was larger than Keith expected. Thicker, wider, too. This was a butcher shop's tongue. Didn't she know Mom? She was Mom's doctor, and she's your doctor. She's even my doctor. You don't go to the doctor. I do today. Dr. Kitchener's office was next to the abandoned pizza hut. Keith couldn't help but look inside. I wonder what happened. I was just here a few months ago. Dad? Dr. Kitchener stood with the door open and motioned for the boys to hurry inside. She was tall, with massive teeth, and it was impossible to determine her age, like a horse. She'd agreed to see them outside of normal business hours. Open your eyes real big for me, Luther. That's it. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh. Huh. Keith sat off to the side in a daze. He looked at his forearm. Really looked. His skin was the color of a pig's. He imagined a person made out of deli meat. Made him sick. Dr. Kitchener's voice sounded like she was underwater, a million miles away. She droned on and on. Keith. Keith! Uh, yep, I'm here. How are we doing? I need to speak with you in private. Right, of course, Luther. But why don't you go get us a Fanta? Luther respected his place in the kingdom. He hopped off the exam table and left them to talk in the small examination room. Keith, I don't want to alarm you. I know you've been through a lot. We all have, but you and Luther especially. Uh, You know how I like it, Doc. Just be honest. 
We've been through hell together. I, I trust you. Whatever is happening to Luther is unlike anything I've ever seen. We'll need to take samples of the rash for a biopsy. And I'd like to do a CT scan. His pupils are narrower, and there's evidence of stretching in his jaw. And his temperature is way below normal- Stretching? I've got a colleague in Chicago, the best. The doctor leaned towards Keith and spoke softly. I've just never seen anything like this. What? Tell me what's going on. I think this is serious, Keith. His aggression seems... I just want you to be prepared. Prepared for what? Anything. Chapter 6. God. Luther usually took showers, but recently baths were necessary. Keith got out some of the boys' old toys, thinking that may cheer him up. An aerodynamic shark, a little tugboat, a turtle on a surfboard of his very own. Keith poured warm water over Luther's head in a plastic cup as the boy sprawled across the tub, belly down, and hovered his eyes above the water. This is nice, he thought, as he gently ran his fingers through what's left of Luther's hair. The scaling had taken over the top of his head, leaving scraps of hair around the ears and by his neck. Soon, they'd be gone too. Luther struggled to pick up the shark with his webbed hands until he finally gripped it like a bike handlebar. He looked at his dad for a reaction. Keith flinched a toothless smile at what he knew to be his son. The pool was filled with swampy grime. Keith scooped Luther out of the tub and stood him upright. He checked his feet for more webbing. It appeared to be imminent. Keith dabbed the boy's new crevices and stubby arms with a sham wow and looked at the leftover dirt in the tub. He would need Drano, probably two bottles to be safe. It had been two weeks. The school wouldn't stop calling. The voicemails piled up on Keith's phone. They threatened police intervention. Luther had gotten worse and was in unimaginable pain. Keith finally called back. He was desperate. Meredith, it's Keith. I I know, I know. Listen, we're going through a tough time here, and I appreciate a little compassion. Do you think you could send a a father? A priest? Yes, a a priest. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about a return, okay? Mm -hmm. Yep, I gotta go. From behind him, he heard Luther's bell. Just in time, bud. In the kitchen, Keith set a plate of nine eggs on the floor. An exhausted Luther went to his knees and let the top half of his body fall onto the floor. His nose, now on the end of a long snout, grazed the top of the wet pile of eggs before eating the entire serving in just a few bites. He tilted his head back and let the breakfast slide down his gullet. His eyes, still those of a boy, screamed for help as the mouth seemed to operate independently. A small protrusion budded from the boy's lower half. Must be the tail, he thought. Luther grunted and then hissed. Grunt, hiss, grunt, hiss. Keith knew what that meant and instinctively grabbed the paper towels. Luther returned to his upright state and slid upstairs. It was a few days later and much too late when Father Quinn arrived. He wasn't what Keith expected. Father Quinn was young, handsome, and built. His handshake crushed Keith's fingers together into a sad little claw. He spoke in a hushed, serious tone. He was in command now. May I see the boy? What's your plan? Faith requires no plan, Mr. Um, Mr. Mr. Keith. It's just that I need you to be prepared for what you are about to see. I've heard rumors. He has scales and teeth like knives, but I'm a big boy, Keith. God is on our side now. 
Is it always this hot in here? It is now. The men went upstairs to Luther's room. A doggy door had been cut in the base of it for feedings and story time. The door itself was covered in dried chicken slime. Luther sensed company and stuck his snot out the door. Father Quinn knelt and reached out to bless the boy. Luther gave him a sniff. The priest's shaky hand hovered above the boy's snout. Through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy... Luther's lips curled. Mercy help you? Um... Father Quinn turned to Keith only to find that he was alone with the young beast. Luther made his move and snatched the priest's blessing hand. It wasn't a clean break. Luther tugged, gnarled, and hissed. He could feel Father Quinn's fingers still working before giving the wrist one final tug. He was through the bone. The fingers went limp against his jowls. Father Quinn scooted away, writhing in pain. He stood, but his blood loss was significant. He used his good hand to prop himself up against the wall, but slipped on his own blood. Face pressed against the hardwood. The pool of blood in front of his face jiggled with every breath he took as he prayed to himself. He finally managed to drag his pale body down the hallway toward the stairs. Keith watched from the kitchen window as Father Quinn sprinted across the front yard. He stumbled into his Jetta and swerved out of the subdivision, the door half open. Chapter 7 Beast From his bed, Keith could hear Luther sliding across the hardwood floor. Thump. Swish. He thought about Father Quinn. Meredith followed up the next day and said that no one had heard from him. He didn't tell her about all the blood. Not his problem. Thump. Swish. Thump. Swish. Thump. Swish. Stop. Since he'd fully turned, Luther couldn't sleep unless he was at the foot of the bed. Keith put out blankets, but Luther preferred the cool floor. Keith wasn't afraid of his son. He was proud of this. They each lay awake for some time, Keith wondering if Luther was capable of missing anything. Did he know what he had been? Does he know what a father is? Or a mother was? Chapter 8 Nothing Keith plunged a shovel into the frozen backyard, retrieving only a fourth spade of dirt. There wasn't much of astronaut left to bury. He was a lean dog, and with Luther's new enzymes, the bones were in play. He fit into a shoebox. Keith wrote astronaut on top of it. Luther named the dog during a time in which he was obsessed with space. He would always ask Keith and Alyssa questions about it. How do rockets work? Why is Mars red? What's an eclipse? While one stumbled around an answer, the other would Google it. He and Alyssa took turns on who got to be the scientist. Keith knelt down and placed the box in the modest hole and wept until it got dark. He hadn't cried in ages, not even at the funeral. From the kitchen, in his kiddie pool filled with warm salt water, Luther watched. He could smell mucus coming out of his father's face. He submerged himself and curled his body to fit in the pool with the stillness he'd acquired. Keith could feel the eyes on him. He knew the pool was too small, and the gizzard money was drying up. Alyssa always wanted what was best. Keith always agreed, but never really knew what that meant. Hard to keep straight what was really best, and what just felt like best. Before now, he often confused the two. But today, it was clear. Chapter 9 Goodbye, sweet boy. Keith had left Illinois twice in his life. The first was to bury his grandfather. The other was basketball camp. 
Luther swayed back and forth in a kiddie pool strapped into the bed of a truck. They drove through the night, stopping only for gas and raw bone-in chicken. The water had to be changed a handful of times. The Florida state line was unremarkable. Keith wasn't sure what he expected. Maybe a flamingo in a fun hat? Something significant? But the moment lacked any substance other than the rest stops got more elaborate. Florida was an eternity. It felt like driving through a postcard, which sounds like a compliment, but only to people who've never truly seen a postcard. The swamp was completely still, except for the Jesus bugs making little blips. He held them in his arms one last time. Luther was limp, still sleepy from the car. His head was propped in the crux of his father's arm. Keith struggled for something to say. He unstrapped Luther's muzzle, as if maybe he would do the speech for him. All right then, bud. Be safe. Be good. Luther dug his feet into the warm mud and curled his claws around it. Unsure of his next move, he took in his surroundings. A crane turned its head toward the boys. Its red head cut through the brush. Keith jumped back a little. He thought it was part of a tree. Um, I I was never able to tell you where your mother went after she died. It's true. She's in memories, dreams, and that sort of thing. I'm going to miss you, and I... I guess that's where people go. They live in between putting the truck in park and getting out. When you stare at the microwave and watch your food and you're trapped, that part of the Saturday, like three in the afternoon, where it's almost like nothing is happening in the entire world, and it gets you thinking about time. I don't know if that's heaven or hell or nothing, but that's where you go. Seat fillers in the minds of whoever is left behind. That's where everyone goes. Keith looked down at his boy, but Luther was gone. The crane had moved to higher ground. The water remained still. Back in the truck, Keith drove true north. He didn't want the sun to be in his eyes, or coming off his mirrors anyway. Although it wasn't of his own doing, Keith thought it best to keep the light on either side. The story must be told. Ay, 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 what a spicy a story. Thank you, Preacher Tamborelli. Thank you for such truths. Now, I don't want to keep our sweet Maribel waiting any longer. Are you ready for your special treats? Oh, of course. All right. Chomes, come on in. <laughs> Oh, okay, so where did... Chomps, where did you put them? He, he's got something in his mouth. Bad, bad, Chomps, bad. Open up, open. Good boy. Now spit them into my hand. It's my toes. After all these years, why... Thank you, Chomps. Uh, no, 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 no. Thank you, Mariba, for drinking Crow Croa, crocheting up a storm, and living the story in your heart. I got just one question. What are you gonna do with all those toes? Toe fight! You go! Oh, there's one stuck in my hair! Oh, you! You get one! You get one! I got it! Look at me juggle! Oh, gross! Oh, no! That's good goo. 
That was the story must be told. Thank you for listening. And I will now read off the winners of the top four numbers of 2020 awards. But first... You might want to join our Patreon, haha! <laughs> You'll get access to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, The 522 Club, <laughs> secrets only. And in fourth place is number 28. 28 had a great rookie season this year after bouncing back from an unfortunate preseason torn ACL. We're looking forward to what you have in store for us next year, number 28. We do real fun stuff on social media, real fun. So check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TSMBTPod. We've got the clergy on there too, so follow them. And in third place is number 1,761. 1,761 is the guy girls want to be with and the guy other guys want to be. Buy our shit. We've got shirts. We've got mugs. We've got pins. All of them over at topedoco.com. Search us. You'll find us there. And runner-up is the number 92. 92. 92. So righteous and true. 92. 92. I want to get with you. 92. 92. You really make me think. 92. 92. I want to huff your stink. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new story, but if you're a member of our Patreon, you'll be getting a brand new 522 Club next Tuesday. And the winner of the Numbers of 2020 Awards is 37,865. 37,865 is the first number to be nominated in the same year for both the Number of the Year Awards and the Best Foreign Language Documentary in the Academy Awards. As is tradition, I will now read every number that comes before 37,865. One, two, three, don't forget four, five, six, seven, got eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. The story must be told. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.